everybody, it's Microphone to Madness, I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Konnichiwa. And today we are talking Blade of the Immortal, a 2017 movie uh, directed by Takashi Miike, famous Japanese director who enjoys a cult status here in the United States. But she probably enjoys cult status back home, too. I mean, he makes pretty niche films. Uh, I suppose so. I suppose so. Go ahead and uh, list off some of uh, Miike's filmography. That's the word I'm looking for. Ichi the Killer. Uh, Blade of the Immortal, obviously. Uh, 13 Assassins comes to mind. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, the thing they all have in common is they are all bloody. Mm-hmm. They they are definitely bloody. I, I I think this one might be the least bloody until the end. Well, I, I, even then, <laughs> uh, Blade of the Immortal is also a manga uh, written by. Uh, Hiroaki Samura. Now, is he the writer and artist, or? They're always the writer and artist. That's how manga rolls, with few exceptions. Right. Well, I'm not as initiated into the world of manga as you are. But uh, Blade of the Immortal concerns a swordsman named Manji. Uh cursed with cursed in quotation marks uh, with so-called blood worms that prolong his life and allow him to heal from any injury including severed limbs so this is like what Wolverine in Japan should have been Frank Miller (laughs) yeah kinda (laughs) kinda I mean it's he's basically Wolverine, right? Right. A little bit more introspective than Wolverine, but he's basically Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manji has developed the reputation as the hundred man killer because prior to his yes, yeah, so oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, he he. Uh... He he was a he was um, a retainer to a daimyo who who was corrupt. Part of this might be actually the, the uh, manga explanation, but uh, and he was ordered to get rid of um, get get rid of a guy who was basically going to turn state's evidence against his boss. So uh, after find, killing the guy and finding this out. He slaughters uh, basically his boss and all the his loyal retainers. There's a hundred of them, including the husband of his sister. Mm-hmm. Which I, I I don't think she's actually his sister. He's, she's more of an adopted sister. It's like a sister in that martial arts movie sense where it's just someone you look after, someone you're you form a close attachment. Uh, I think it's like, that's his sister. And uh, he kills her husband and she freaks out and goes insane. 
because when you when you when it picks up in the movie, they have that relationship uh, where he's looking after her mm. because of his guilt. But I think that like is his actual sister, mm. and I think that the guy he killed was his brother-in-law, and uh, he he feels like a lot of guilt because he like killed his sister's husband who she she loved you know and he was just another schmo samurai doing what he was told to do Mm -hmm. uh in the film the hundred men he slayed were a group of mercenary bounty hunters trying to collect on the reward that's which we see in the beginning of the film one of the striking things is is that this starts in that classic Kurosawa black and white. Uh, and it's, 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 it's Miike, so of course it's well shot, it's well executed. The fight is choreographed beautifully as Manji just mows through these guys, uh, taking on minor injuries here and there uh, that is like the origin of his distinctive look you see in the, in the current time of the story. He's got a big scar across his face. He's got one across his face. One eye. He's missing an eye. He's got a scar across his forehead. A couple scars on his chest. So all the injuries that he had prior to getting the blood worms never healed. Well, they scarred up, basically. They didn't regenerate like the wounds he received afterwards. Right. So he, he basically gets the uh, blood worms as a quote unquote reward Mm -hmm. from um, an 800 year old um, nun wandering nun who spent some time in Tibet. (laughs) I just think that's great. Right. The blood worms are are like some type of uh, relic of of a llama that passed. Yeah, t- Tibet's like the, the mystical land of mystery and suspense. And, and it's probably a lot closer to uh, Edo than uh, Nanda Parbat is to Central City. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flash forward 50 years. And we have a group of uh, martial artists known as the Ito Ryu who go along and they are killing uh, sword masters, martial arts masters, and absorbing those who are willing into their schoolless school of sorts. Uh, They're basically trying to take over the martial arts world of, of Edo period Japan. And they kill a swordsman. I forget his name, but his daughter's name is Rin. And they fight a duel. Uh, Rin's father dies. The mother is... A that would be uh, Kagehisa. Yes. Is, is the dad. Kagehisa. Um, Notsu Kagehisa. Yes. Um, the mother is attacked and taken 
and Ren is left as the only survivor on her father's grave. She swears vengeance, and lo and behold, our 800-year-old nun appears in uh, in the graveyard and says, you need a bodyguard. I know a guy. Right. So, in the manga, uh, Manji swears that he will take to make up for his um, killing of a hundred people. He's going to kill a thousand <laughs> to uh, to even out the books. So I, I guess he's going to kill a thousand who deserve it. Right. Right. I'm going to um, kill a thousand so, evil men. Yes. So it's kind of like that. That's his his onus. You know, it's totally his own doing. It's his own. He wasn't assigned that by anybody. That's how he decides he's going to to atone. Hmm. Now, I would say that the first flaw that I see in this film, and it's probably because of Warner Brothers, who did the domestic distribution, is that this is a two and a half hour long movie, the version that we got. But there seems like there's probably at least a half an hour cut out of it. As there are some unusual jumps in the timeline. Well, it's funny you should say that. Uh, because having read the manga and watched the film, it's a lot easier for me to fill in those gaps mm -hmm. um, than just watching the film straight. And the first time I watched it was prior to reading the manga and it was it it was mildly confusing. It wasn't like unwatchably confusing, but mm -hmm. there was definitely like some what the hell moments. And there are some major uh, events, I guess, that take place in the manga that aren't in the film. And I don't know if they were cut or if they just weren't in the film. Right, right, and it's really hard to tell that they were cut from the international release or the Western release and they're in the Japanese version, or if there's like a, they were cut in the original version before it was released. It, it's hard to say, but uh, the Ito Ryu has uh, a number of really creepy motherfuckers. Oh, and, and just so you know, at this point we're in color, right? It shifts to color <laughs> as Manji gets the blood worms in his system. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are some creepy motherfuckers in the Ito, Ito Ryu. Yeah, so they're basically the like the unbeatable warriors mm. with uh, magic powers and extremely honed skills. Right, but they're not like we don't practice styles uh, that are taught here in Japan. Well, no, they, they're basically so the Ito Ryu uh, goes around uh defeating all these uh, sword schools and absorbing their techniques into its own. So they don't have their own technique. It is every technique. Mm -hmm. So you have all the, um, I guess, the traitors mm -hmm. from these schools who did not go down with the ship. Right. Um, who have joined up with them. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, so you have like bastards, basically, just motherfuckers who have no honor, have joined this sword school, is right. what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you, you and I think, oh, well, I mean, it might be a wise decision if you know, like, your entire dojo's burning to go and uh, at least I'll live and, and be able to, like, 
have some of the knowledge get passed on, but you know, it's a Japanese movie and shit don't work like that. Right. Right. Um, it's very similar. The, the Itu Ryu is very similar to, uh, if you've watched the Roni Kenshin second arc, the Kyoto arc, it's very similar to the Jupongatna where you have like several high ranking members and they all have like unique, uh, martial arts styles, powers, that sort of thing. The the rank and file members of the Ito Ryu are just like mooks, chumps, right? It's it's really like it's a um, it's very like a shonen manga ish where you have an escalating series of of um, adversaries that you have to fight in order to get to the main the main boss. You know, if you've watched or read Naruto or One Piece or uh, Bleach. Right. Shaman King. Right. It's it's that kind of setup. I mean, and that's that's pretty typical mm-hmm. for 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 that um that style. Uh it's very popular too. I mean it, people love shonen manga and right. I'm no exception. Right, right. It it also has that kind of feel like um like Kill Bill or uh Game of Death. Yeah. Yeah, or or even enter the dragon to an extent where the hero has to progress. You have to go through a gauntlet. Yeah, through a gauntlet. Probably more game of death than enter the dragon. But yeah, is game of death the one with uh, the one with the tower? Yeah, with uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem Abdul. Sorry. Yeah, wrong basketball player. That's all right. Yeah, where he goes up the tower and he gets progressively more difficult opponents as he goes. But yeah, that's that's the way it goes. And the first one we see is probably one of the creepiest and and weirdest uh, characters and villains I've seen. Uh, I forget his name, but his appearance is the most striking. Oh, I got it right here. Good. Don't worry. Um, is that Shira? Uh, I think so. No, Sabatokura. Yeah, right? yeah, Sabatokura. The guy with the two heads. Yeah. He's got... So, think like... Almost like Spawn, in a way. <laughs> or yeah. like that 90s... Almost that like 90s... Um, big comic book kind of guy with like... You know, Judge Dredd with like... With uh, shoulder pads. But they're so exaggerated. Right. That they're almost as big as his head. Plus he wears a... Um, a demon mask, um, Kabuto. Mm. But but we find out that they are not exaggerated shoulder pads. They are living human heads that he yeah. has attached to himself. So it's it's his wife is one of them, and then uh, Rin's mother is the other. Right. And he wants to replace his wife with Rin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's been like stalking her for two years, sending her like love poems and stuff. Yeah, and it's really, it's really some creepy shit. So, she's sixteen, by the way, just so everyone knows. She's sixteen when this is, you know, when the bulk of this story is going down. Okay, it's hard to tell because she is a the actress is very petite. Right. Well, the actress I think was twenty when it was made. 
because I didn't. I thought it was like really creepy. It's not as creepy because at least the actress was old enough to be doing that. But yeah, it's it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, and it follows a kind of a predictable pattern. Manji either goes off on his own to fight these guys, or he arrives in the nick of time to save Rin from one of these guys. Right, and and Rin. She's not stupid. No. But she's not very savvy. Right. Um, and she gets herself into a lot of these situations. Mm-hmm. She's spunky. Um, I think it's yes. the word but they use. Get, the question you got to ask with Rin is why would you bother hiring an immortal bodyguard if you're just going to ignore everything he says? Right and go off on your own and stuff like this. Right. Now, to be fair, there was a time that he said, I've got stuff to do today because he had to honor the memory of his sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Practice alone. Right. But she goes off on her own. Well, wandering. she goes off to practice on her own, but she finds the leader of the Itin, Ito Ryu practicing where she wants to practice. Right. <laughs> You know, and that's that's the other thing is these guys are like conveniently located <laughs> for for all of for all of this stuff to happen. It's like they're all hanging out in the nearby city, and Manji lives in a shack. Looks like he built out of driftwood <laughs> in the woods, a few miles away. You know, it's like a half a day's walk to the city. But it is prime, uh, you know, tempo practicing space, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's it's very nice place he has. It you know it's on a flat piece of ground near a near yeah, a river. river. He can fish. Yeah. He nobody everybody leaves him alone. Apparently, if you look at the montage where she's like hunting for Manji. Everybody knows where the fuck he lives, but nobody fucks with it. <laughs> yes. Well, what would you? Well, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but not only not only does Manji have uh, the bloodworms that grants him like Wolverine healing factor and immortality, he also has portable holes in his sleeves. As, yes. as carries, this man, he carries a lot of of uh, iron. And steel inside his sleeves. <laughs> it's There's, funny because they make a, a really big point of of showing how heavy some of these things are. Yeah, they they have very good sound effects for even when he like accidentally drops one of them, and they do accidentally fall out of his sleeves periodically. And they go thunk. There's one yes. battle he pulls a fucking spear, a double sided spear, out of his sleeve. <laughs> yeah, he's got a. He definitely gets to ignore the encumbrance rules. Yes, but he has like several go-to weapons, I think. Uh, yes. And I think it's the same way in the manga. He has a few favorites that he uses over and over. Yeah, I mean, he more or less he uses the sword, and then he uses those modified um, psi things that oh, are bigger. The, than- um- the bladed GTAs? Yeah. They're, they're, they're bigger and heavier. But yeah. Or Jutes. 
rather. Jite is like a spear tip. And then he has he has the uh, he has the wakasashi with the removable hilt that he screws into his uh, his katana. Right, and has a double bladed uh, double bladed sword. Turns into Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. We see him get to use that. He always has the cool scene where he pulls the handle off with his teeth and plugs it in. Yeah, so it's it's one of the reasons I like it. Uh, because it's like right at that sweet spot where you have a historical Edo period setting mm-hmm. with not over the top, but slightly fantastic elements. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not even really that historical, Edo. It's kind of, uh, you know, we, we discussed this last time when we were discussing 36 Chamber. Uh, but it's kind of a, a historical Edo period that didn't really exist. It's, yes. it's much like the Song period in Chinese martial arts films or the Old West of the spaghetti Western. It's like, it's recognizable as what, it, what it is, but it's doesn't, it's not the same. It's, yeah. It's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost got like a samurai chaplain feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's accurate enough. Yeah. It's accurate enough that it feels like Edo period Japan. Uh, but it is this like romanticized ideal, although this particular movie is a lot more brutal than many others of its kind. Yeah, it's a little darker. Well, it's a lot darker. And I, I do like the fact that they have um, the the whole nebulous morals thing happening with every party involved. Mm-hmm. You know, like even even like your your protagonist Manji. Y'all know that he's got he's got uh, a past burdening him, right? And uh, he's not very far from it mm-hmm. at any given point. He tries to he's trying to be doing the right thing, but you could tell that sometimes it's a bit of a struggle. It's not his nature, and uh, because he has the blood worms, he could basically get away with anything he wants to because he's not going to die. He's going to outlive everybody. Mm-hmm. This is true. So you can, t- you could tell it's a struggle with him. And then, and the, the, the quote unquote bad guys, um, you know, you come to find out that there's like, well, I don't know how legitimate of a reason it is. Right. <laughs> it might be a little bit of an overreaction, but you know, the whole backstory, um, with, uh, what's his name? I think that would be, uh, hold on. What's, which one is he? Starts with an A. Yes. His given name. Um, anyway, fuck. What'd you say the leader? Oh, that would be, uh, uh, Anatsu. Right. Yeah. And yeah, his his backstory is is kind of sad, and it seems like a legitimate reason. But 
he's out for revenge as much as Ren is, so they become kind of mirrors of each other when they they finally meet. Right. right. Um, but it does. <laughs> they oh, realize that. They realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a couple of the uh, best lines I've seen in in some of these movies. Uh, where he fights the second guy who's the peasant and he tells this tragic his tragic origin story as they're fighting and Manji defeats him and he just and is in shock because of course it's you know he's used he's realized that this guy's immortal and when he's withdrawing the sword from his chest and he just looks at him and says, You're not the only hero in a sad story. Yeah. And that's the other thing. The the villains have enough backstory to them. Like, even if it's like a line or two, like his backstory wasn't very uh, elaborate, mm-hmm. right? It was, you know, him, him and his sister were playing and the daimyo came by and killed killed her horse. No, killed her. She They were playing ball. She kicked the ball the wrong way and spooked the daimyo's horse. So he executed her on the spot, had her cut in half. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys have grudges against the the, the established governmental structure, the right. feudal system. But they're, but, and, and they're all low-key superpowered, not like heavily, but it's almost like um, if you took Wolverine and stuck him in Batman villain right. land, you know, because they're all reflections of of Manji or Rin or both to a certain extent. Right. Right. Meanwhile, the Ito Ryu is steadily climbing up the power structure and they get word that they are to be the official sword school of the Shogunate, which is like, that's where you want to be. Right. Uh, turns out that it's actually a trick. By the government. Yeah, I don't see how they didn't see through that right away. Right, as sharp as they. Well, I guess it's it was his ambition blinded him to it until the last. Right, day. but his buddy, his, like the guy who was like funding them, I guess, should have seen it. He seemed like he was like he knew better. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Nope. Um, interestingly enough, there is a minor villain. Uh, Suna, I believe his name is, or Sura, who wears the uh, sun on his kimono. Uh, that's the bounty hunter. Yeah, the bounty hunter, Sura. And the one thing that's interesting that they changed up from the manga is that Manji the back of his kimono actually has a manji on it. But to Western audiences, it is a swastika. Yes. Um, and all of the... And I believe the writer of the manga uh, addresses that several times uh, in the letters section. And I think the, it was published by Dark Horse, correct? Yeah. And I think the Dark Horse publishers also address that several times because it is prominently displayed. Oh, yeah, you can't miss it. <laughs> right. Um, but the the interesting thing is is that Sura 
wears the sun and Manji is a lunar symbol. So they are the sun and moon. And then, of course, they they end up fighting. Yes. Well, it, it's interesting about the um, the Manji thing. There's a lot of, of uh, manga, maybe not that makes it through Dark Horse, mm-hmm. but that makes it over through Viz or what, or what have you, uh, that has that imagery in it, and it gets redrawn for American audiences. Right. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist, there is a scene where I want to say greed is crucified on a swastika. Mm. And uh, that is completely re- redrawn for the um, the American version of that particular comic. Right, right. In in uh, on Japanese maps and whatnot, the the manji is used to uh, uh, designate the location of Buddhist temples, as it is the swastika in its original form was one of the marks of a Buddha. But white people. Got to fuck everything up. Yeah, you can just blame Hitler for that one, and I squarely will. Yep. Now, if you if you're watching this film and you thought that the opening fight sequence was badass, wait till you get to the end fight sequence. <laughs> <laughs> the end reminds me of the end of 13 Assassins 2. It's just a bloodbath. Right. Which I've seen about half of 13 Assassins, so don't spoil that for me. Um, Yeah, it is. They take the, fir- the opening fight sequence and they just dial it up as far as the dial will go and say, all right, head, head for it. And it's, pre- it's predicated, well, no, preceded by the second best line in this movie is, I'm your bodyguard. Who do you want me to kill? Whoever's trying to kill me. Okay, then. <laughs> and Manji turns on the government. <laughs> yes, well, the government, in in this case... Um, We're the let's, true let's, villains. Yeah, well, let's not even... Let's not even pretend that the shogunate, the Tokugawa shogunate, wasn't a fascist dictatorship because right. it was by definition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. Um, so, and, and it was brutal, and they did brutal things, and it gets very romanticized, right? Um, especially, and- well, yeah, as as because it's the Edo period, and mm-hmm. you know all the. You know, that's where all the Ronin were. Right. That's the age of the Ronin, which is right. uh, in in these types of films, these Jitageki or, or Chambara films uh, are romanticized the way the gunslinger of the old West, the man with no name, right. Wyatt Earp, these types of folks, Doc Holliday. They were homeless bums mm-hmm. who more or less didn't have the the uh, the guts to spill their guts. Right. Well, we're also talking about a time period. One of the first things Tokugawa did was outlaw seppuku because it was a waste of good men. Right. Except now you have all these good men wandering around. Well, you have the not so good men. (laughs) You know, in in the eyes of the shogunate, the good men just joined up with another daimyo or joined up with the shogun himself. 
The rest of these guys... Well, the rest of them were, were theoretically either killed in battle or hunted down after the battle. Right, killed. right. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, this kind of, like, brings you back to, like, showing that the Shogunate was a brutal fascist machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not above chicanery to uh, further their goals. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, you know, the the interesting parallel between, you know, this particular film and a lot of uh, Chambara and Jitageki films uh, is similar to the, the Wuja genre uh, or that sort of thing where the Zhanghu or the Wu Men are always in opposition to a corrupt government. So in this section, you have Ronin who aren't really like politically disposed, but it's like the government comes at you, then that's it. Well, and and that's the thing is if the government agents were smart and I think they had a good idea of what was going on Mm -hmm. uh, because, because uh, Manji had hooked up with the, with their agents earlier. Right. They would have just used him. Yeah. To further their interests. Right. The uh, the uh, the bounty hunters plan was to just let Manji keep wrecking shit because he was killing everyone he came across. One, they didn't they could collect the bounties afterwards when they found the bodies. And right. two, you know, Manji's reputation precedes him. Well, they they, they really fucked up because uh Shin was so horrible. Shira, his name was Shira. Right, right. Shira was just so horrible and couldn't keep it in his pants enough. Right. To uh, to, to like, oh, well, these guys are only worth two Rio. Right, right. The guy we're after is worth thirty. And but you know, in Shira gets his comeuppance because. Manji whips his ass so hard it changes his hair color. <laughs> Actually, that's one he of my literally favorite. slapped the color out of the man's hair. One of my favorite scenes, and it's just because it's so ridiculous, is where Shira is uh, hanging because he's only got one hand. Mm-hmm. He's hanging by this vine over a cliff. Right. And he's like, I'm going to come and get you no matter what. And Manji just cuts the cuts the vine and he falls lands on a rock and explodes in a shower of blood <laughs> it was hilarious and you could just you could just hear Manji saying to himself no you're not <laughs> um the the second best scene was the one where he's fighting like the three scrubs who have gotten who have gotten the better of him because they got the job on him on the mountain yeah and after he's done with that fight, he's like struggling to get the uh, chain staff with his arm attached to it off the side of the mountain. Yeah, he cuts off his own hand <laughs> to to uh, avoid being uh, to avoid being hit. That's yeah. that's great. And he pulls it. He, he gets it off the side of the mountain, and and then it's like stuck. To where they spiked it to the the man catcher or whatever it is, and he's like, "God darn!" He's got his feet 
on the staff and he's trying to pull his arm off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely parts where the film doesn't take itself too, too seriously, which I think helps in mm-hmm. a, a film like this. Because if it was, if it was just too serious, it doesn't have the same impact because it's it's a little too over the top. You need some something to kind of dial it back a little bit so it's not just edgy. Right. And and I think like 13 Assassins is a perfect example of a movie. It's a good movie, but I don't like it as much because it takes itself way too seriously mm-hmm. and it doesn't have these moments of dark humor to like kind of cleanse your palate. Right. Um, you know, it's just brutal. That, that, that movie is just top to bottom brutal. Mm. And this movie, while it is brutal, has moments that kind of um, make up for it, I guess. Right. It's, it's kind of that, um, that cartoonish violence that uh, we were discussing with like the boys and, uh, you know, even the lone wolf and cub films where yeah, yeah the yeah. tone is serious but the action is so over the top and it's not like this particular one is like the lone wolf and cub films where somebody gets their head cut off and it's just like 8.6 gallons of blood just all spurred out at once no but it's like that that it's that same thing it's like when when uh they dump ash williams into the pit Mm-hmm. And everybody, right before they do it, right, and uh, he looks. You know, they get the guy before him, and he looks down, and there's a fountain of blood. And I don't care how many times I watch Army of Darkness, I laugh every time that fucking scene comes on. Mm-hmm. Manically laugh, and it's that same, that, that same feeling, that same just, just um, zeitgeist, I guess. You know, they get it right. Or Mike gets it right in this, right? Also, Manji loses an arm quite often over the course of this, and yeah, it almost becomes a, a it almost becomes a running gag that oh, we know he's facing a serious opponent when his arm falls off. Yeah, in, in the manga, he says that he's been alive so long that his technique has gone to shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he mentions in the film that you know he's got so many scars that he can't even hold the sword right. Yeah, yeah, just because he's, you know, he's going to win no matter what, because he ain't dying. Right. So he doesn't have to be 100% on his game all the time. Right. Like, you know, he can take a shot that would kill that would kill him normally to deliver the killing blow, which he does quite frequently. That becomes his, like, new technique, is to take right. the killing blow and go, ha, guess what? Didn't kill me. Stab. Yes. Like I said, it's Wolverine. But no matter, it's like everybody knows he's immortal, but it never fails to surprise them when they can't kill him. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, by the end, they kind of know he's immortal because uh, that the one guy with the mask mm-hmm. survived right. and let him know. Plus, they also had, on, on their team, they had another immortal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I guess was the poignant part of the film. Right. That was where all the big questions were asked was during that particular battle. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that was probably one of the more gruesome 
battle scenes in that film because you had two opponents who were equally matched. Right. Well, that was the, the Wolverine versus Sabretooth moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and his opponent probably had the edge on skill. Right. Well, he also uh, had def- the secret weapon. Definitely had the edge because he had the, the, the poison that killed the blood worms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but like a good superhero thing, uh, it's the same power set, just slightly dialed up. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was it was the most interesting one on one battle yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah, because because Manji couldn't just beat him on sheer determination and and power of regeneration. He right. had to actually think and outsmart his opponent. Right. And it doesn't help when your opponent um, is semi suicidal anyway. Right. Yeah. And that, that was the big thing is, uh, you know, he was all thankful. He's like, thanks for killing me, bud. Yeah, I've been alive this. years and it sucks. Yeah, 200 years. But, you know, oh. you had the you had the whole thing where it was like, you know, he, he had captured Rin. Which is not an ongoing thing. Only two characters actually captured Rin. And, right. Uh, well, one of them was honorable, the other one was not. Uh, and he was like, you know, uh, do you want to be like me? you want to be like Manji? You know, and he slices her tongue with a little blade and slices his hand. He's like, all you got to do is our wounds mingle and the blood worms will pass to you. Like a vampire. Right. And she, and she's like on it. She, she is like willing to go that <laughs> And he's like, I wish it was, if that was, if it was that easy, don't you think I'd have friends? <laughs> Probably not. He was kind of a dick, but. <laughs> right. Well, I think a lot of it was when he explained that he's had five wives and more than that number of friends that. Right. Kids. And he outlives them all. Right. That, that, that's why he's a dick. You know, if he actually. I think I think he would have turned and they would have gone against the the Ito Ryu together had Manji accepted the bargain. You know, because Oh yeah, I think he was he was honorable when it came to, to that. Mm-hmm. And I it think I think little... he had a very deep loneliness and that's something he identified in Manji is that Manji was also very lonely as a person. Yeah. But I think with Manji, it was more by choice as opposed to the experience of watching his friends uh, die. Right. Manji viewed himself as a monster. Yeah, Manji was, from the beginning, was isolated. He isolated himself. He lives in a shack in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, He makes himself very inaccessible. And even though he's trying to atone for for the sin, um, he really isn't trying very hard. Right. Well, I think I think his atonement is, is if he goes out into the world, he will kill. So it's for everyone's safety. He isolates himself and insulates himself from the world because he does have a sense of justice and it is a very brutal sense of justice. Yes. And that if he went out into the world, he would see something that 
pissed him off, that, that, that appealed to his sense of right and wrong. And because he's immortal, he would strike out immediately. <clears throat> and that could cause problems for people who don't suffer from his condition. Right. But a a 60-year-old girl with a heart of gold and eye for revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who happens to look like his departed sister. Yes, and it's the same actress. Uh, that would explain it. But yeah, that uh, that's really kind of what gets him is like, she's so determined to do this. And he's just like, she's going to get herself killed. Well, yeah, that and, you know, it is a direct, in his mind, I guess, a direct chance to right his wrongs. If his wrongs stem from killing, like, ruining his sister's life because, you know, he he killed her husband and she went and she went batshit crazy. Right. And at the end, he couldn't protect her. Right. She was killed by people after him. Right. And I think he did not want that the same thing to happen to Rin. As a matter of fact, Rin, you know, the whole, the end of the film, Rin leaves him because she, he wants to die or she thinks he wants to die. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to lose him. So she leaves him. Well, she was also like there and witnessed the battle with the other immortal. Right. And, and I suppose that what he was saying to Manji made a lot of sense to her. Because right. they, she had some one-on-one time with him, and he basically reiterated the same thing. Right, but nobody asked Manji. Right, but he, he assumed, he told her, and she assumed that that is kind of the lot in life for people who have the bloodworms, is that they're lonely, and they're tired of living, and they want to die. Possibly, but I mean, she also met the old woman. Mm-hmm. Which, who she comes in later, too, Right before the humor is seen with the arm, uh, where he is trying to will the blood worms to heal his wounds, right? And she's like, "What? You wanted to die? Why don't you? Why don't you just stop and die?" And he's like, "Shut the hell up!" He's got unfinished business. Come on. And and he's like, "Oh, is the hero?" Right. Right. And she's like, "Oh, so the girl is more important than your life." And and it's almost it's, like it's almost like that scene was like that's why I picked you. Yes. Now, uh, this movie covers the first couple of story arcs for the manga, which is all I've actually read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his adventures do continue on after the events of this movie. Nice. So it was a fairly long series. Is it ongoing yeah. or? Um, no, I mean, I think it's from the 90s, to be uh, honest with you. I think it's, like, long Well, that gone. doesn't mean much. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. That, I mean, there is, like, just bizarre adventures been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, One Piece has been going on since, like, what, like, 2003 or something. Yeah, and then uh, Dragon Ball just keeps coming back around. Yeah, but don't they, with Dragon Ball, don't they just redub it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I that one that I stay away from. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Blade of the Immortal. Um, it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu and you're still uh, under 
under stay-at-home orders or, or quarantine or whatever you want to call it. Uh, definitely check it out. It's worth your time. If you need to while away two and a half hours. Right. Uh, and you like samurai films, if you like martial arts films, if you like action films, this is definitely a film you or should check out. Comedy violence. Hmm. Let me ask you a question, because I, sure. I actually... I bought this film when it came out on uh, on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just in Japanese on Hulu. Is it does is there an English sub or is it all? Uh, uh, it's all or is it's it, subtitled. It's sub- yeah, all right. Hulu. I, I didn't really go through it to see if there was a dub. Okay, I don't think there is, but I thought maybe. Um, yeah, so that's that's the only. Um, I guess warning I'd give you is it's in Japanese, so you're going to have to pay attention. Yeah, it is, it is subtitled. Um, Unless you speak Japanese, and then right, if you if you're Japanese or or you speak Japanese well, no problem. Uh, cultural literate like myself has to read subtitles to listen to a dub. Right. So there you go. And until next time. Those 30 luck points. Peace.